Welcome to Movie Moments, discussing the greatest movies of all time. Plus, all the newest films in theaters and streaming. Like us, rate us, share us. Here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. Hey, we are back with another edition of Movie Movie Moments. I am Mike Rags with my good buddy Chuck Curry. Lots going on in this this edition of the show as we inch closer to Halloween. We've got a special guest towards the back end of the show, and that's Matthew Lillard, of course, the star of Scooby-Doo and Summer Catch. And, of course, the first uh, Scream movie, he was one of the serial killers. Spoiler alert. We'll talk to him about his new product he's got uh, and uh, his movie career as well as Chuck got a chance to sit down with Matthew Lillard, special guest to the show. And we're going to go through the Scream franchise and sit down and, and go through the six movies. One just came out earlier this year. Um, and, uh, of course we, we can't forget about the TV series that popped up for a little while on MTV. We'll go through that. We'll go through some other movie news as well, but let's bring him in right now. It's our good buddy, Chuck Curry. Chuck, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing really good. You know, when you brought up the scream synopsis, I, I gotta be honest, I, uh, they did a TV show that was on MTV. I believe I'm mostly familiar with the uh, theatrical movies, not the uh, TV show. No, we'll talk about theatrical more than uh, TV. That's for sure. A little bit later on in the show, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the big news in movie theaters and the movie hasn't even come out yet. Chuck, the pre-sale tickets for uh, Taylor Swift's Eras tour movie, a concert movie comes out next week is just beyond belief. It's already past the $100 million mark worldwide. $26 million, the single day ticket sales when it was released, which blew past Spider-Man, uh, one of his home movies. I think it was the first one. But Chuck, um, Taylor Swift is uh, is the king of all media or the queen of all media as she's going to dominate the movie theaters. And it's great for business. It's great for the industry. And it's really quite remarkable how many people have already bought tickets. Oh, it's incredible. You know, CNN did a story uh, quoting Cinemark, which I believe is the number one theater chain, which is uh, uh, showing showing that film, saying it, it's their highest pre-sale uh, film of all time. Uh, and if you look, you know, I think about uh, you know the Avengers Endgame and movies like that. That this will surpass that. I mean, Barbie obviously had great pre-sales, and we know how that film ended. I mean, I don't see this having the month-long legs, but who knows? I mean, I could see this. I literally could see this opening domestically, which means U.S. and Canada. At $150 million plus, and I'm going to go on record and say that's what this is going to do. I mean, it's going to do $150 million plus. I mean, the ticket sales higher, like $20 and change, change, uh, but it's going to – I mean, she doesn't need any more publicity, but she is about as hot as a celebrity talent could be. There's no doubt about that. I have a feeling it's going to – it's going to maintain this. We might see some Titanic numbers here. Uh, it's mm. going to stay number one for a while. I think this is going to be playing through the holidays. I mean, this is this is the type of movie where people just keep going back and seeing it. Uh, generation, Probably. it's it's it spans all oh, generations. A fan base will have uh, enjoy multiple viewings. Multiple and I, I got to ask you a question. I got to ask you a question since you know a little bit more about the music industry. Than I do. You have the Beatles, you have Elvis Presley, you have the Rolling Stones, uh, pop culture phenomenons that really transcended uh, music alone. Is she right there? Yeah, I would put her basically in the top five, no doubt about it. I mean, just the way she could just 
generationally you can't you can't chink her armor at all either there's nothing bad there's no, no scandals a uh, kids lover adults lover uh african-americans lover uh white people i mean it, it, i mean it just expands she, she was a country artist too so she's a singer songwriter that yeah. so she's got that audience as well i mean uh even the nfl she's dominating too now i was telling you know they 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 offered her free advertisement for her games that she went to because they knew she was bringing new viewers to their product. So and the here's NFL, proof, and, here, and here's they don't the give away free stuff. No, not at all. I mean, that's unheard of. You, you just said that. And I'm like, I've never heard that before. And here's the proof is in the pudding. Sunday night football chiefs with uh, Travis Kelsey, her, her new boyfriend and uh, the jets, 29 million viewers, the highest rated Sunday night football game since the Super Bowl, simply because she's sitting in the press box and you know, the camera's going to show up three to five times uh, during the game, and a fan base eats that up. Um, uh, I guess listen, I guess it's fun. Listen, as a football fan, uh, you know, it is entertainment, and her being in the press absolutely. box, absolutely, it, it sort of supersedes the game itself, but it's what the NFL wants. I mean, they're, how, they're, she, they're she, you know what she does? She makes every game she's at the Super Bowl, really. All she'd have 100%. to do is – It she, is interesting. She never even had to perform at the Super Bowl. She's bigger than the Super Bowl. Like they've never even she asked her right. to do a Super Bowl because she doesn't even need to do the Super no, Bowl. Uh, it's just quite remarkable. And and I, I I think it is. I'm with you. I think it's terrific. I think it's a squeaky clean uh, uh, story that America probably needs more than ever now. So go to the theaters and go see it. And her music's really good too. It's it, it really is. It's 8,500 cinemas across 100 countries and it's coming out next week. And I'm telling you, Chuck, I just got a feeling it's going to be number. I know, you know, five nights of Freddy for Halloween and all that stuff's coming out. I just can't see any movies coming out this fall. That's going to knock this off. Cause people are just going to keep going back and seeing it even with the higher ticket prices. Now people are going to the theaters this weekend to see a movie that I don't know if you and I um, to, we're lukewarm on it to begin with, but um, the exorcist opens pretty poor reviews. 23% at rotten tomatoes right now. Uh, t let's, let's talk about this a little bit because you know, William freaking himself before he passed away, not a fan of it. David Gordon green, uh, the, the power he's gotten to do these movies is just, it boggles your mind and mine. Well, here's the thing. I think, when history is written, uh, I, I think David Gordon Green's hold on Universal with first the Halloween Halloween uh, trilogy uh, that he did over the last few years. The first one, I think, was 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 good, but 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 not stupendous on any level. The Halloween Kills was very pedestrian. I think it will play very well, like just as a, a, a Halloween movie time killer. But again, uh, miles away from anything special. And then Halloween Ends was uh, unbelievably polarizing, which in a lot of ways blew up that franchise and his reputation as somebody who thought they could bring something interesting to the table. Somehow he must be a really good salesman because uh, Universal uh, spent $400 million to obtain the rights to do three Exorcist movies. That's a lot of money. Now, if I was sitting at a table... I would say maybe 200 million, maybe 250 tops to do and, this. And how about this? Let's see. How, how about this? Let's see him do one. And then we'll, we'll decide if we're going to do two others because yeah. it, 
there's nothing that I saw in the other Halloween movies that, and I, I'm on record. I didn't like any of them. Um, and it, that would make me say, let's hand him over $400 million for three more movies and, and torture another classic that's out there that people want to see over and over again. They don't want to see a new exorcist movie. Nobody wants to see a new exorcist movie that nobody wants to see none too. Nobody, I mean, these movies, I just don't get it, Chuck. I know they make money. That's because people are starved for good horror movies. Just make a good horror movie. There's a thing in the industry now, Mike. Uh, they call it the legacy sequel, right? That's what uh, the first Halloween right. reboot was, uh, sequel, whatever. You, you know, they, they make believe the other movies after Carbon the 78 version doesn't exist, which is a bummer because we both know Rick Rose, Rosenthal's Halloween 2 in 1980 is a really damn good sequel to Halloween uh more graphic yes but uh, halloween one and two play beautifully back to back we know halloween h2o uh, is a really fine it's a really fine movie Uh, it's a really good movie and it made a lot of money that's they believe it doesn't exist i know and you know it's funny too i would take halloween for the return of michael myers over any of those movies that came out any of those three movies now here's the deal with the exorcist franchise if it doesn't have william peter blatty attached of meaning he wrote the original screenplay and book for the first one, which is the greatest horror movie of all time. It is, I I would debate anybody. It is the greatest horror movie ever made, Exorcist. It supersedes the horror genre. It was nominated for, I think, nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture. You just don't see horror movies do that. I no. think, uh, and then William Peter Vladdy wrote and directed uh, a, a Legion, Exorcist 3, which is a very good movie and is and uh over time has gone uh, down now is a cult classic i say cult because it didn't do the box office that it deserved but georgie e. scott and ed flanders are uh do beautiful acting in that movie it gets under your skin it's like reading a book uh i like it a lot but everything else nobody's crying for we need more exorcist movies but they cannot help they cannot help knowing that if they gotta write big checks out they just want a name attached or now is the legacy stuff. Um, they just, just petrified to do anything original. It's scary. Uh, it, it really is. So how- take, if you're going to do another Halloween, when we talked about this last week, that there's a bidding war uh, for the rights to the Halloween franchise, what form will they reboot a sequel, whatever they do with it. But here's the thing. You could take the, you could take the title of Halloween. You could take the title of the exorcist. But you can do something completely different with it. They just they're petrified to do it. You know, it's funny, too, is I saw a coming out on Prime Video this weekend, a very interesting yeah. trailer of a horror movie, a slasher movie spoof. It's called um, Totally Killer. It's about a, a girl who goes back in time to 1987 and has to stop a serial killer. Uh, it's from the producers of uh, Happy uh, uh, Birthday, the, the movie that came out, the the um, the movie we both liked. The, they did a sequel with Happy that. Yeah, happy death day. And yeah. so here's a concept uh, that's kind of interesting. And the trailer pl- plays pretty well. It, You know, the girl goes back to try to save her mother's uh, friends from the serial mm-hmm. killer. So, all right, Total Killer released on Prime Video today. Not a chance in the world it's going to see uh, more than 50,000 views this weekend. I, to me, if this would have gotten a theatrical push and, and uh, marketing behind it, I would have said, you know what? I would take my daughter to go see this. And th- this looks like something fun and different. No right. publicity about it at all. It's buried on prime video, but yet 
Oh my gosh, there's two girls with their heads spinning and vomit everywhere. Exorcist themes playing. Ellen Burstyn pops up. Uh, this is what we're going to get all $400 million behind. And it's still going to, nobody, it's still not going to perform at all. And it's going to get crushed yeah, next yeah, week. Here's the problem with 23% possum rotten tomatoes and a lot of hoopla of how a lot of people are so disappointed because they didn't try to do anything original. The problem is, yeah, it was tracking at like $35 million, but I think that tracking is going to go down based on, but based on these reviews, but it's going to have, it's going to crater like 75% week to week because you got Taylor Swift this way off, off a weekend of bad reviews. It's a big, big problem. People forgot about people. people, uh, People's forgotten. Saw 10 came out last week. So on Monday, The Exorcist Believer will just be a, a, a figment of people's imagination that nobody's even going to care or see. Or would you rather make a movie like Barbie and really make a, an impact? I mean, that's what I don't get. When you're a movie producer and you're putting all this money into something, what are you doing? You can't turn a profit with this model that you're doing. It just doesn't make any sense. And you to be in a board a meeting where you, yeah. this gets okayed, it just it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. I just found this out because I watched trailer again. Five Nights at Freddy's, right at the end yeah. of the trailer. Yeah, in theaters and, and Peacock. Peacock. And Peacock. Day. I was Same on, day. I when I I saw that the other day. I got to tell you, Mike, I almost fell out of my seat. Yep. I, Same I day. Way beyond this. Like seriously. Well, remember they did the same thing with Halloween, right? And 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 the <laughs> Halloween ends, but, but it was yeah, COVID. You could argue, yeah, you could still say hey, the COVID. We're not dealing with that now. Nope. I don't uh, get it. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, they, it want the cake. They, they want the they, they want the cake. They want to eat it, too. They want every piece, actually. They, and, they, they, like, the theaters got to count. And I'm telling you right now, people would go to the theaters to see that movie, too. And, and they're going to they're they're cutting their hand, f- face. You know, the, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's disappointing. The industry continues to, to, to just kick themselves in their own groin. I agree. Uh, Chuck, let's move on real quick. I'm not a big movie career, but I did want to bring him up. He 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 had popped up in a few movies and a, a few TV series. Dick Buck has passed away uh, this past week, uh, Thursday, 80 years old. The, the Hall of Fame wow. great linebacker for the Chicago Bears who had a career in Hollywood. You can't deny, um, you know, he was on My Two Dads. For, did 27 episodes of that show. He was in a couple mm-hmm. of movies, too, like Johnny Dangerously. And and uh, he would pop up on you know, the love boat and fantasy Island and all those shows. So it was pretty, I mean, look, you, you, he's not really acting much, but you know what? I remember seeing him in Gus when I was little in that Disney movie. And I, I thought, Oh my gosh, that's pretty cool. They got Dick Buckus to be in this movie. Listen, uh, I, I think a lot of the, uh, I think it's always cool when uh, uh, an interesting, likable athlete can transcend his sport and get into features and and television yeah it's a bummer and then uh, you know he teamed up with bubba smith a lot in their career as well right they did a lot of stuff together right the tv the uh but the miller light commercials uh mm-hmm. very likable very approachable on screen uh and uh, it is a bummer uh 80 years old he was in gremlins too right he played himself uh, in gremlins too yeah he did he did yeah. uh what other movie news you got uh i forgot to touch uh touch on this last week but uh james cameron was at a convention and he surprised the crowd and did a screening uh, uh, of the, of the abyss of a DCP. And he stated that this, this, there's, there's a 4k transfer and it will be dropped soon. 
on Blu-ray and streaming, which I think is great news because The Abyss from 1989, a big movie, a terrific film, especially the special edition, which is the only version you should watch, has not been able to, I have not been able to watch this on a streaming service. It's never been on Blu-ray. Uh, it's hard to find on DVD. It was made many, many years ago, I think, at a 4-3 uh, aspect ratio. But I've been waiting for uh, decades for a high-definition version of Cameron's The Abyss from 89. Uh, it really has become a forgotten movie, Mike. And uh, I don't know why. It makes no sense, but I'm happy it with doesn't. this news. It was big news back in the day, too, right? 1989, and he released a version on Laserdisc that kind of blew up the Laserdisc yeah, market for a little bit. Which, yeah, and I, I, I still have. You know, I, I, when I heard this in retrospect, I was saying to myself, it stars Ed Harris, right, who's awesome in this movie. But Ed yep. Harris, primarily in his career, has been a great, one of the best character actors of all time. I think that was probably his first forte as the lead almost like gene hackman in the Poseidon adventure the lead in action movie right sci-fi action movie and he's great i i don't really understand why the abyss has been forgotten for decades but well good I news think, yeah oh, it's real good news we'll I, I can't wait to. yeah i can't wait to see the extended cut and i've talked about it often it took a three-star movie and turned it into a four-star movie if you've never seen yeah. that extended cut it, it's just a completely different last 45 minutes and the whole tone of the movie changes dramatically on that one uh just that the, the cuts he made at the end yeah and, and i think it was either the end of the year or beginning of 1990 I, I got on a mark's bus from uh the poconos into new york city and i watched it on the big screen yeah and i was like wow i almost like it was almost hard to believe that footage was not in the theatrical cut but the reality is cameron had a contract with 20th century fox and you have the power he did after you know uh aliens uh well titanic power yeah. and they had him had a, a contractual obligation for running time so he nubbed his whole third act off which is now, incredible now people wish they that he'd lost that power now and maybe some of his avatar movies would be a little <laughs> more manageable in the theaters yeah, but yeah. You, it's hard to believe nowadays if he made the abyss today we would get the three-hour version and no, no bars no holds barred uh but maybe maybe uh paramount and some of these other Students should say, all right, your movies need to be out two hours and 30 minutes now, Jim, because uh, enough is enough with Avatar 8. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Here, a couple other ones. Uh, it was announced yesterday. Universal Pictures uh, has greenlit a Martin Luther King Jr. biopic uh, directed by Chris Rock. It's based wow. on a specific novel. Uh, Rock will not only direct uh, Mike, but he will produce. And Steven Spielberg will serve as an executive producer. This must be a really good, interesting uh, novel that he has obviously passionate about and pitched Universal, and they've agreed to uh, finance this uh, project. One other thing, Kevin Costner, uh, his new uh, Western Horizon, an American uh, story, will be four movies with the first two films being released next year, two months apart. Uh, I mean, that's, I guess, why Costner soured on the success of the Yellowstone TV show, because I guess he had a passion to do uh, the, the, these Westerns theatrically. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that series now, too, because, you know, it, it feels like if he's not on it, I mean, what are, what are we doing here? Right. I mean, I love that show, but I well, couldn't I mean, imagine if they, it. If, they, if, if Matthew McConaughey does come aboard, uh, you know, it'll be a little different, 
uh, hopefully they won't kill Costner's character off. I don't think he's a re- and then maybe they could sort of make amends where he 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 comes back at least uh, occasionally. I don't occasionally. know how that yeah. works. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, uh, by the way, you get a chance. Yesterday they they released a trailer. Miramax released a trailer to the Beekeeper, which uh, is in uh, a revenge actioner with Jason Stratham, directed by David Ayers, who did Suicide uh, Squad and, and Fury. I got to tell you, Mike, it felt so equalizerous. Like I enjoyed the hell out of watching this trailer. If if you get a chance, uh, give yeah. give it a whirl. We'll it's funny say that. I want to see that, and and I also saw a great trailer too for. The Netflix movie "Leave the World Behind" with Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke. It's a, oh, cool. it's, it's kind of a, it's what a, uh, it's a, it's a disaster movie, end of the world type movie. Uh, you should go check it out. It's really, really over the top. It's like, and again, you watch it and you're like, what? I mean, why isn't this a a Thanksgiving release in theaters? And it, it's so frustrating because some of the special effects and what you see is like, wow, this would play, this would play awesomely on the big screen back in the eighties. Uh, but check it out. It, it, it's really good. Uh, Kevin Bacon's in it. Marashala Ali's in it as well. It, it looks like a real good thriller action uh, end of the world type movie. So uh, we'll I, check it out. Um, I Matt, couple, by the way, Matthew Lillard coming up in just a little bit uh, and we'll talk some screen movies. Uh, what else you got here as far as uh, movie news? I, I, well, I, I just saw that Elizabeth Shue uh, birthday uh, as we speak, 60 years old, almost hard to believe Elizabeth Shue, Ali from, the Karate Kid co-starred opposite Tom Cruise in uh, Cocktail, uh, uh, leaving Las Ve- leaving Las Vegas with yep. Nicolas Cage. I'm glad uh, you brought that up. Uh, you know, Oscar nominated. Obviously a huge film in her career. Uh, it was cool to see her do an appearance on Cobra Kai. I, I've always been a big fan. I think she's tremendously likable, appealing. Uh, I wish her nothing but the best of luck. Yeah, I liked her a lot. Uh, better career than her brother, that's for sure. Uh, but I did like, I mean, she's in that new show. She was in that show that was on Showtime, too, about Uber. Um, she played the mom in that, too. She's good, always good, and you're right. Uh, you can't do a Cobra Kai reboot without having her pop up. Allie with an eye uh, definitely needs. You know, you funny, you bring up the leaving Las Vegas and what it meant for her career, but it's not really like her career took off after that, Chuck. It wasn't no, like, no, she never got, she never got, um, it wasn't like uh, she was the Emma Stone of her generation. Right? It wasn't right. like uh, or right. or Jennifer Lawrence, where you know the 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 A list scripts landed on her desk right away. I mean, she she probably had to fight tooth and nail to get every part that she had. But uh, very likable person. Uh, just a couple this week in movie histories: October fourth, nineteen sixty two, Doctor No premieres uh, in 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 theaters. The first forte on the big screen. A double seven. Sean Connery was the star. Uh, who would thought 27 movies later? You know, there's been some rumors. I just think they're rumors that uh, Chris Nolan has serious interest in, in directing. Oh my God, uh, that'd be awesome. The next Bond movie. But here's the thing: there's been a lot of uh, a lot of fan talk uh, about let's cast Henry Cavill as 007. I got to tell you, I would do it. Like if it was me, if I was running the no, show, I would love that. I, I I think he would be perfect because he has a huge fan base. He was discarded as Superman. Obviously he should have did more than just the man of steel solo Superman movie. What a botch up job uh, at, 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 at DC and, and Warner brothers. Um, he would be a good, do- I would, I would cast him as 007. I really I would, would too. I would absolutely do that. He's good looking. He's young. 
ingest some energy and, into and, it. And look at the fight scene in that Mission Impossible movie oh, with Tom great. Cruise. Uh, it's incredible. It's it's absolutely in, in, incredible. Um, I'm a fan. Henry Cavill. Uh, here here's one. Um, October this week in movie history, 1978, Midnight Express oh, wow. is released in theaters. Alan Parker directs. Oliver Stone wrote that screenplay. Uh, Brad Davis, uh, the star. Brad yeah. Davis was the star. What a unique actor he yeah. was, right? Yeah, he passed away of AIDS a little bit later said, on. Yeah. If I said to you, Mike, they don't make movies like Midnight Express anymore. That was one of those movies I watched on HBO maybe 80 times yeah. uh, when I was young because I kept playing it, and it was such a great movie. And I got to tell you, back then, I remember so many people in my neighborhood would say, same thing, they'd watch it uh, on, on uh, like HBO, and they would say, you see that movie? Yeah. What a great movie. I remember like the word of mouth, like people being like, you know, because this is an intense, it's a hard-hitting movie. It's it, not for the, it's it's a hard R movie. It's a tough but watch, yeah. It is a tough watch because you know, even Brad, he's not he's not like the, he's not the most likable character. He's just in a horrible position. But uh, what a, what a terrific movie! Yeah, I loved it. A great revenge movie too. It it really uh, it really plays in a lot of levels. And yeah, Oliver Stone, obviously a part of it. It a true story too, based on a true story. Uh, I got yeah, one more. crazy this, this stuff. This week in movie history, you keep uh, saying you got one more, and then there's like three more. You know, How many you got for real? What was it just popping up in your head? I got, I got two more. And he's got uh, two this, more now. They keep growing. No, actually, I got three more. This week in movie history, Boys from Brazil, 1978, opens in theaters. I always found that to be a really interesting movie. It's flawed. It's it, it's not perfect, but two of the greatest actors of all time, Gregory Peck, uh, as as a Nazi. And Lawrence Olivier is a Nazi hunter. Uh, I saw. I, I think my mother took me as a little boy to see that in theaters. I always remember the, the Doberman Pinscher scene. Yep. At, yep. at the end. Right? So, so I you're telling movie. me Midnight Express and Boys from Brazil were released on the same weekend? Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Same. Okay. Yes. Same week. Yep, okay. Same weekend. All right. So what else you got? And I got. I got one more. 1984. <laughs> 1984 October 5th. Teachers is released. Oh wow! In the yeah. Theaters. I saw that movie about seven times in a theater. It played it played at the Avenue Movie Theater in Brooklyn, New York. A lot of people in my neighborhood would go back to see that movie. I love that it. it mixes tones from dr- dramatic, right, and has a lot of social poignant commentary with wacky comedy. But I love I love Nick Nolte. I love he had he was going through, you know, some rough periods uh, patches in his life at the yeah. time. He looks a little haggard to say the least on screen, but he he's terrific. Phil Beth Williams is really good. Ralph uh, Ralph Macho is in the movie. Crispin Glover, Morgan Freeman, Lee Grant. What a cast! Uh, Alan Parker directed that movie. You, f- you uh, forgot. Movie. You forgot about Rieger. Rieger's in it. Judd 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 Hirsch. Very yeah, good. and he's great. Uh, I, exactly. He yeah. he he's everybody in that movie. The, the movie it's, should uh, have been better with all the it talent. Should, it it, it should have been. It's good, but it, it should have been better. Because what it does is it it wants to be one thing one frame and another the next having said that uh it has a lot of good messages about the public school system that i thought were pretty pretty interesting and i still think it's a good movie and i haven't watched it in a while i wonder how well it holds up now considering what we're going through no it holds up pretty well yeah i watched it uh it holds up pretty well i think Coming up, uh, we got Matthew Lillard will join the show. Chuck had a chance to talk to the Scream star in a bit. We'll talk some Scream in a second, but get me back in the theater this week, Chuck. Pick a year we're going to go traveling in. Uh, any year? 
Well, in the 80s and 90s. Let's be, make it fun. Okay, we'll go with uh, 87. 1987 this year, uh, this week in 1987, uh, we had, all right, here's your new, <laughs> here's your new movies, you know, cult classic, uh, near dark comes out this weekend in 1987 okay. and nobody yeah. was going to see that, uh, like father, I, like I put that on DVD, but yeah, that's yeah. a good movie. Like father, like son comes out, Chuck. Hmm. Thoughts on the hey, Kirk Cameron Dudley Moore movie, which opened at number two. Okay. Those body switching movies after big. Uh, the one with Fred Savage and Judge Ron was Vice a lot, versa. a lot better. Here's the deal. I'm going to be blunt with you. I'm, I'm not. Uh, uh, Kirk Cameron on the big screen. Eh, nah. uh, it's not a very good movie. All right. In its second week, but not in a lot of theaters, The Princess Bride was playing and starting to gain an audience, Chuck. Also, uh, in week number three, you had the pickup artist, Hellraiser, Fatal Attraction, and The Principal, a uh, Fatal Attraction. Wow. Fatal oh, Attraction was uh, was the Fatal number one movie that week. Fatal Attraction, almost like The Exorcist, really hit a nerve with the general public, and oh, sure uh, did. that movie that movie became a phenomenal uh, pop culture hit, rated and, R. And Adrian still, line, uh, what a movie! And a couple of summer movies still in theaters making some cash. Uh, Stakeout and Dirty Dancing were were still in wow. theaters. So I'll I'm going to ask you now, I Chuck, won't... here you go. Mm. Fatal Attraction, yeah. The Principal, Stakeout, Dirty Dancing, Hellraiser, wow. Like Father Like Son, Near Dark, Princess Bride. You've yeah. got $8 you're gonna, you're, and you're, you're going to the theaters. Think, what are you going to see? You're going to think I'm crazy. I'm going to go see The Principal, and I'm going to tell you why. Because it was a really cool movie to just chill out in a the movie theater, watch with the crowd. Uh, it's 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 a pulp B movie. Jim Belushi was a lot of fun. Lou Gossett Jr. was good in that movie. Also, uh, it 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 wasn't it wasn't made to win any awards. It was just made to it was a good revenge movie. Uh, and and obviously, listen, it's not fail attraction. But if if I had to take a time machine back to see that movie, yeah, I would. Well, Chuck, if I had to take a time machine and go back to December twentieth, nineteen ninety six, I'd be sitting in the theater next to a packed crowd and saying, "All right." Let's see what Wes Craven can do with Scream, written by Kevin Williamson. And of course, Wes Craven coming up with one of his better movies. That was Freddy's New Nightmare. Scream comes out. The movie theater's packed and people are going nuts, Chuck. It was one of the best movie going experiences I've had in the decade of the 90s. And mainly because the movie is a four star classic. It, it, it teeters on comedy and horror. It's bloody. It's scary. It's funny. It's got a great cast that you all become. They all become likable. Scream is a classic, Chuck, and it's hard to believe that it, it's almost 30 years old now. Um, Scream came out and Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich, uh, obviously some classic, uh, a classic wait, ending wait. to that film. Just a great, great movie. And it, it they never reached that peak. There's some high notes in the other ones, but Scream, it may be one of the 10 best horror movies of all time. Uh, listen, here's the thing. I, I think what what made that movie work to 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 the highest of levels, one, uh, a fresh screenplay, right? Yep. Kevin Williamson, uh, a terrific cast, a great ending, a great opening, great opening. And I think Wes Craven was at the top of his craft, right? Yeah. I think he was at the top of the craft and he he knew all the nuances and he realized that this was fresh material 
that he really could sink his teeth into. And yeah, it was a great, great movie. It really was fantastic. And it, it, it's a well, one of a kind experience in the theaters that I don't know if we'll ever make it there again. And it was just a year later that the band got together, Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson and the cast in 1997, December 12th, uh, another Christmas time movie. I mean, you got all the main players come back again. New killer. Um, Ghostface is back. Look, and they, kill, and, they, and they kill off a character that you hated being so seen killed off. Yes, you do. Uh, and this one, I mean, obviously, this one's on a college campus, right? This is the college mm-hmm. campus one. And then the third one's the movie, uh, the movie set. Um, yeah. This one I liked mainly because I thought Timothy Oliphant, I mean, a spoiler alert. I mean, people have seen this movie by yeah, now, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Laurie Metcalf, I thought that was a nice little switch of the genre a little bit. I don't think it's great. I think it's scary and it's fun to see um, familiar faces playing. A, a, it, it's pretty an assembly line horror movie, but everybody's back. There's no reason not to like this movie. Here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to have a different opinion. I think this is just as good as the original film. You do. Eh, yeah, I can't I go that. I can't go that far. But here, here, here's the difference. When I walked into theater to see scream one, like I didn't know what I was going to see. Right. Scream two is a lot more hyped. So it was a different experience, but I do think that those characters are so well written and you like them so much. That is true. And it stayed, it was still fresh. Like, you know, who's Ghostface is still fresh. So I really did like this movie just as much as the original film. I actually think in terms of horror movies, it's one of the best sequels uh, of a franchise horror ever, man. I really, I really like it a lot. Unnecessary kill though. in that, in scream too it, it just yeah. that, that's a downer and and i i don't know if i recovered maybe that's why i'm not as high on it as you because it's unnecessary uh scream three uh on a movie based about making the movie that the movie was based on um there's a couple of new characters in this too you got patrick dempsey pops up yeah. Uh, yeah. and you know it, it's it, it's look it's good it's not great Terrible, terrible Hank, uh, terrible haircut for Courtney Cox. Very distracting in this film. Parker Posey's pretty good in it, Chuck, uh, you know, in a different kind of role for her. But again, this is where the tread and the tires are starting to come off, even though it has a new screenwriter. Kevin Williamson didn't write this one. And it, it just, feels that. Yeah, yeah, you can feel that. Yes. Here's the thing with Scream 3. It was a hit and I like the movie. I like it, but it has pacing issues. It, it sort of it sort of meanders and lumbers along uh, where the first two beginning to end the movie just the movie those movies move very well. Um, I think some of the new characters are not as connectable as the first two films. I did like it and it made money, but it's not as good as one or two. And then, the, I mean, if you talk to the average person. Nobody even remembers Scream 4 came out because. To be honest with you, Chuck, it did make ninety-seven million dollars, but I'm going to disagree. I I don't really understand why this movie uh, gets 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 hammered by some. I think it's good. Like no, it's I mean, not. it's not. I, I mean, it's okay. It. I know I like it. I think it's good. And it's unnecessary to say at least. And in fact, if I I think people rediscover it because when Scream that came out in 2011, 10 years mm-hmm. after Scream three. Eleven so you years get, after Scream Three, and then they to pay, to pay tribute to Cisco Lieber. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Yeah, I just it's so forgettable, Chuck. It's so forgettable. Um, I, I don't, don't even remember who the killer is in it. 
I don't. I don't remember who the killer is. And I just rewatched it not too long ago because I was I watched all the movies together. It's just to me. Emma Roberts is the star, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Emma Rob. Now I remember who the killer is. Spoiler alert, because there's probably people listening to this. Um, I remember seeing, I remember seeing it and I remember like the aftermath, especially years later, how people like, oh, you know, this screen four is, is not a good. I, I don't see it that way. I think it's good. Now, I will tell you, I enjoyed Scream, the actual Scream five, which came out a couple of years ago. I thought the new cast members are very good, including mm-hmm. Jenna Ortega, who plays Wednesday and her sister. Uh, and I thought Jack Quaid was good. Dennis's son. Um, uh-huh. I thought the old cast coming in now again has unnecessary kill in this movie, but it's scary. It's a little bit original because of the, the new characters. So I this one held me pretty good because I like the two girls, Chuck, in the leads here. And then having Nev Campbell and the other stars come back. Granted, an unnecessary kill in this again, but um, I thought it was an effective. I thought it was a good reboot. OK, take a deep breath. OK, you ready? <laughs> Scream Four is a better movie for me. <laughs> You're crazy. No, I'm not. I'm serious. <laughs> I, I, I listen. This would be like uh, again to pay homage to Siskel and Ebert. This would be like my my thumb is a, barely a tweak up. It's not a thumbs down, but a barely a tweak up. It feels it feels flat. This movie feels flat to me. Uh, I didn't it feel that way. You didn't like Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega. You didn't like the two I, new leads. I, I, I like. Uh, I, I they feel boxed in. Like okay. it doesn't breathe. The movie doesn't breathe for me. It doesn't feel like I'm having a good time watching a screen movie. You didn't just, like Marley like, Shelton coming back, and and it, and uh, just, it feels okay. Okay, it just, it, I was slightly disappointed. I got to be honest with you. Well, I thought Scream Six, which came out this year, was a little flat in and of itself. It almost felt it felt too much like Jason Takes Manhattan for me, Chuck. It yeah, just was, it was I so like, implausible. I like it. It's brutal. Like the stabbing scenes. Yeah. Like, holy cow. It, it was uh, this is like especially the last act is brutal. I did like it. I liked it better than the one that came before. I much can't, better. I can't, I can't agree with that. And it was yeah. good to see Hayden Penitary come back as well. Let but let me ask you a question: Are you Siskel or Ebert? <laughs> I don't think either one or either one. <laughs> but I would give Ebert. I always thought had better reviews, so I'll be him. Um, okay, so yeah. if you're going to put him in order, obviously screams up top. Scream yeah. two. To me, is scream. I would, put, I, I would put I would for me. Go ahead, you go. Yeah. Well, I would go scream, scream yeah. two, then yeah. then the new scream, then uh-huh. scream three, then scream six, and scream four. I just to me is a total waste of time. I, I would do them in, in in chronological order, except I would re- reverse the last two. Well, Matthew Lillard's only in the first one, but and uh, and, and his career took off, Chuck, because. I got to tell you, we talked a little bit about it last week. I think he's very appealing on screen in mostly everything he's ever done. And and whether it be uh, Summer Catch or Scooby-Doo as Shaggy, he's always good. Um, It's just he seems like he's Matthew Lillard right on the screen. That's who he is. And listen, he he, he did. He's he he was in the Descendants. He, He was in trouble with the curve. Uh, yeah, listen, all, right. all, com- all comic actors are good, serious actors. And and you'll see in the interview, 160 acting credits as a uh, screen credits or TV and screen as an actor. That's impressive career, Mike. All Very right, well, impressive. Let's, let's take a listen to it. Very special guest on the line today, Matthew Lillard. Most people would know Matthew from uh, the original Scream movie, who was absolutely awesome. The voice of Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, both uh, live action and uh, animated 
Matthew is not only a working actor who has 160 uh, uh, acting credits, which is a very impressive feat, uh, and really is the definition, in my opinion, of a hardworking actor, especially with this ongoing actor strike, which we hope is resolved very shortly. Matthew also is an entrepreneur doing a lot of different things off uh, screen, which we're going to talk about in a few moments. I got one question to start the interview off with you, Matthew. Uh, as a young, ki as yeah. a young kid, what lit you, what lit your fire in terms of wanting to perform, whether it be an actor or do other stuff uh, in the public eye? Was it a, a specific movie you watched in a movie theater? Was it a TV show? A play? I, uh, give me sort of a, a broad spectrum of of that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, Chuck. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, sure. I love that question. I, I, I'd much rather have a question like that than just come out here and sort of start showing my company. But yeah, this is, I understand. It's, 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 yeah, it, I, listen, the, the thing that changed my life is that I have a severe learning disability. Um, you know, I was a kid that wasn't good at anything in school. And it wasn't until my dad said, you need to take a typing class or an acting class. Um, and the idea was that taking an acting class would make me a better salesman as I grew up. And my dad's like, you're going to be a great salesman. You better take a class and be able to be comfortable in front of people. And so I took, I said, no. Uh, well, I said, yes, the acting class. And then he made me take the typing class for the next year. But look, the <laughs> acting class to me was the one place I was successful. It was the one place where I had adults, parents, Teachers go, oh, hey, that was good. And for a kid, I was an obese teenager, learning disability, glasses, braces, and I was a transplant from Detroit, Michigan, into Orange County, California. So for me, you know, finding something as a young kid when you're struggling that you're good at can change your life. And so I always say to parents, I always say to anyone that listen, you may have a kid outside the box, celebrate that kid just as much as you would the quarterback or the captain of the cheerleading team. Like, if, if you want you want your kid to have passion, and that passion can change their life, no, no matter what it's for. I like that a lot. You know, that's why I always said, you know, the, like the TV show Glee. I think that was an important part of pop culture because it introduced what you say. Uh, you know, not everybody has to be a star athlete. There's a lot of people shine in many different areas, and that's a good example. Just curious off the bat, what did your father do for a living? Uh, my dad uh, was uh, a serial entrepreneur um, okay. and started a biopharmaceutical company, a very small biopharmaceutical company. Uh, started as a UAW worker, then started selling Red Wing shoes down in Pittsburgh. Um, went to Southern California to start selling clinical assays and then started his own company. So, uh, so he's so alive, so he's... he's he has dementia, so anytime I get a chance to talk about my dad, I'll take it. Okay, okay. I appreciate that. Now, in 91, you started your film career if, in, in a blink and you miss it moment in a movie called uh, uh, Ghoulies 3. Now, it, when I think of that movie, I say to myself in retrospect or reflection, going to a video store uh, and looking at the video box covers and, and being sold on that, saying, boy, I want to see that movie. And before we get into the main topic, which is your entrepreneurship and your current project, which I think is really cool. 
just give me a reflection on the way the industry as a whole in the culture has changed from that point in your life, 91, people walking into a video store to rent a movie like Ghoulie Street, which I think uh, is super cool. Uh, boy, oh boy, Matthew, do I miss that day to now we have streaming. The industry's changed dramatically. Now, we're not going to speak specific films that you might be in to promote because it's against the SAG rule. But just give me in your initial thought on how quickly the film industry has changed in the last three or four years, because I've never, I, I'm an entrepreneur myself and I help run a nonprofit movie theater on a few ice cream parlors in a smoothie shop. Uh, I know about business, but I have a love of movies. I've been doing this spot for decades and I've never seen an industry change so dramatically over a three-year period like the Hollywood industry has changed. Just give me your thoughts and then we'll bounce into why you're on the air. Yeah, uh, I much rather, yeah, I, I love these, I love these questions. So thank you for taking the time to ask me them. Um, look, sure. the, the industry has changed in a way, um, in such a dramatic way because what's happened, in my opinion, is that the industry used to be run by people that really cared about making films, right? Yes, there was a business, always a business to it. But back in the 80s and 90s, there was this need to make good movies. There was a sort of a, there was a core, there was a core, um, there was, there was a, a sense of honor in the industry where people would be like, okay, I value actors. I'm going to give an actor, uh, I'm going to pay the actor what they're worth. And then the next movie, we're going to pay them a little more because they deserve a little more because there is a, there is a relationship building, right? I think what happened back then was that relationships were essential. And what's happened now is that the corporate mindset of coming in, making a profit at all costs, um, mm -hmm. a, a delivering high margins on every single piece, and then on top of it, really not interested in hitting a single or a double, but every, every piece of media, they're always aiming for a home run. So that's why we continually see these superhero movies. That's why you get, I think, uh, the lowest, you know, and a lot of opportunities, a lot, a lot of times, the acting isn't essential, the writing isn't essential. What's essential is that we sell underoos, that we sell Happy Meals, and that we I turn a profit no matter what in the name of corporate sort of I, I, I'll give you an example of what you just bounced on. When I was in the 1980s, when I used to go to the movies, I used to go by myself all the time. And I remember going into a movie theater in 84, and it was a double feature, and I had no idea what the second movie would be, right? And it wound up being a movie called <clears throat> Night of the Comet. And uh, that movie was a very inventive movie. It starred an actress named Catherine Mary Stewart, who I wound up interviewing at my movie theater for consecutive years right and i say to myself and and i reflect and i reflect movies with imagination uh movies that had love from both cast and director like that film like a lot of the stuff produced in the 80s and 90s is not made anymore and if you look uh and i and i've brought this up i think somewhere along the line in when when the avengers endgame made almost $2 billion worldwide. I think a lot of people in the industry said, hey, we only want to make movies that make a billion dollars. And like you said, 
the single and the double, the portfolio, the diversification in film, where you go to, to a multiplex and certain people could see a romantic comedy and certain people could see a comedy and certain people uh, can see a small independent drama. Uh, and then if you want to see superhero movies, and I like superhero movies, I love Batman, but I don't want to see every movie a superhero movie because the people in the industry who were supposed to be uh, asleep at the wheel and supposed to be smart and knew what they were doing drove the car down a very bad road. And I think the industry is going to have a hard time recovering. Uh, and as much as I do like streaming for older shows, I don't think the day-to-day -day model is a good thing. I think respect to theaters is important. Uh, I, I think people should go to the movies for, a, for one, for the cultural experience, to, to have a conversation after the movie. To, the best experience I've ever had in a movie, Matthew, 93, drove to New York City, saw Jurassic Park at the Zigfield, who at the time was the largest single-screen movie theater in the United States. 1,150 people totally. sell out at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. To me, I tell my daughter, I have one daughter. Order, she's 17. And I say to her, you will never have an experience like I had in 93 because to have 1,150 people going uh, bananas watching a movie was an incredible experience. So I appreciate your time on that. Now, let's talk for the next five minutes uh, of what you're doing in terms of entrepreneurship. I know you're a big tabletop fantasy guy. You have a new whiskey line coming out. The two have been merged. Uh, you know a lot more about it. So the floor is yours. Explain to the folks at home what you're currently involved in, why you're so passionate. Uh, and I wish you the best of luck on this. Go ahead. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. So we, so sure. basically, uh, so what we're doing is we, we created a high-end premium spirit experience based around uh, the delivery of of a, of a fantasy story. So each drop, right, contains within it a uh, a story that's sixteen pages long. So it's quests and whiskey. Um, it goes on sale this Friday. You can get on the early access list at questsandwhiskey.com. Um, and hopefully, you know, I, I know we're sort of running out of time here, but you know, no, the, keep going. the it's idea okay. is to. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. Really it's all good. Um, no, no, no. Okay, yes. So the idea is that, so look, we are, instead of competing with every whiskey brand out there, we're like, okay, what? how can we sort of find our way in to creating a whiskey brand that's built specifically for a fandom? And it's funny because we're talking about movies so much, which which is sort of how we built our company. The idea of finding mm -hmm. their spirits is that, like we were just discussing, you can have a horror story, you can have a, uh, a superhero story, you can have a small independent movie. Like that's what the movie studio does. They apply what they do to different genres. So what we're doing at Five Familiar Spirits is that we will continually build high and premium spirit experiences based on fandoms. So finding fans where they're at and building something highly bespoke so it comes with a story. It comes with a piece of lore or legend. It comes with a premium spirit. So we're not just picking up, you know, swill and turning the highest profit margin we can. We're going out. We're investing in incredible whiskey. We're investing in incredible storytellers. So Quest Send Whiskey has 16 different bottles spread out over four years. Each one of those bottles, each one of those drops, has a character associated with it. So the first four are Paladin, Rogue, and then you have a Warlock, and then Dragon. And so each one of those has a different flavor profile, and it continues the story, right? So our first one's Paladin. It comes out, we go until this week. 
um, which is nerve wracking. Um, but it comes out and there's like, you know, the story opens up with Saren of the pit. That's her name. She's a paladin of this God Insa and Insa is, um, you know, and she, and, and Saren is in this battle to, to win her freedom. And that's where we meet the character. And, and then from there we continue on this journey. Um, but each, each, Bottle has a different flavor profile that's based on the character and what's happening in the story. So it's, look, we, it's the same thing we were talking about with creating something for fans and creating something that has passion behind it that isn't about turning a profit. It's about delivering on an experience. And that's, and that's what we're trying to do with Find Familiar Spirits and Quest End. Very good. Now, last question for you. It feels like you're re-energized. It feels like uh, this is a new plateau in your life. The last question I have, the difference between what you're doing here as an entrepreneur versus a working actor in terms of the energy it takes, the excitement, and the... the I, I, I was watching an interview you did where you said that, you know, as an actor, you're sort of a hired gun. You know, you, you take direction from a director. You're there to do a job, read lines, do the best characterization of that character, make it memorable as possible. But in what you're doing now, you have more creative control. How does that feel as just as a person who wakes up every morning to do? Yeah, it's the best. It's, uh, I'm on a passion. Like I, I'm building something for myself. I'm building something out of passion. I'm building something Great. that... Is, is using the other side of my brain. I mean, look, if you're an actor waiting for the opportunity for somebody to give you work, there's this expression called, you know, that I think Joe Biden used actually in his re-election campaign of, uh, or election campaign of, of the dignity of work, right? This idea that there's, like you, as, as men and women, we find dignity and having a job. Well, as an actor, yes. if I have a movie a year, that's a great year. But that's only two months of work. That's a month of work, maybe three, you know, maybe a week, two weeks. And so the idea of waiting around and spending a life waiting for somebody else to give me permission to do what I love, like that is untenable. So this idea of creating, you know, I, I started a company five years ago called Beetle and Grimm's. Beetle and Grimm's, we make high-end box editions for gaming in, in, in this world. Um, and I learned in that, oh, I really love the art of building something. I love putting energy into something and, and, and seeing it return. It's a lot like doing independent theater, like going off and doing a play. Like you write down a date, and all of a sudden you start putting together these elements to make things happen. Um, and so this idea of being able to do that here with Quest Send and Five Familiar Spirits is, uh, is, is, couldn't be more rewarding. Very good. And is there a website that our uh, fan base can go to to uh, learn about, more about this, Matthew? Yeah, you, if you go to questandwhiskey.com, um, you can sign up for alerts as to what we're building next. Um, we have we go on sale Wednesday. A pre-sale goes on sale this Wednesday, um, and there are 31,000 people waiting for 5,000 bottles. So we've had great success sort of getting the word out. But if you're interested, 9 a.m. Pacific time, uh, you sign up for that. We'll send you a link. And uh, first come, first serve. Hopefully people, you know, if you're interested, check it out. We've got all kinds of, we've got more information there, more of the story. And we're doing these other fandoms. We're doing these other verticals, which we're really excited to share in, uh, in, in, in the 2024. I got to tell you, Matthew, I think you're uh, an awesome dude. I uh, appreciate your time. Best of luck in all future endeavors. And uh, if anybody deserves it, it is you. Matthew, Matthew Littered, uh, Littered uh, pleasure. Thank you very much.
Thank yeah, thank you so much, man. You're welcome. All right, Chuck. Another edition in the books. We'll do it all over again next week, my friend. I'm out of breath, Mike. Uh, I enjoyed it. To the audience, thank you very much, as always, for listening. Thanks for listening to Movie Moments with Chuck Curry and Mike Rags. Download and listen to an archive show, or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear our new episode. Podcasts by Federated Media.